Hi, this is Jeff Rademacher, and you're listening to Gaming and BS. And Sean, I told you once, and I'll tell you again, handle your shit. Welcome to Gaming NBS episode 68, where we're talking about ending the campaign. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome to the show. We are on Google Hangouts live on air for the first time ever for our show. So hopefully, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. I think Brett sounds a shit ton better. We'll see how it goes. Sean just keeps locking up on me a little bit there, but other than that. I don't know. Yeah. Am I locking just, up, man? Yeah, you were. You were kind of freezing. Like I like every fourth word there for a bit. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know <clears> that's probably on my end. We've learned that. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. We'll see how this Google thing goes. Yeah. Try, try the Hangouts. Try the Hangouts, indeed. Um, why don't we get into Random Encounter right off the bat? Let's do it. No announcements. Let's go. <laughs> Random Encounter, a segment of the show where we talk about emails, voicemails, and comments from social media and our website. We have a couple this week, three-ish. Well, it's a holiday. We can't expect people to just be you know, spending their entire family and uh, gift opening time dealing with us. Wow, right. So give everybody a little slack. Yes. I expect it to be picked up after the new year. Right. After, other than that. Right. <laughs> So we, you want to start or what? I'll start. Yeah. Episodes uh, 67. Why we like D&D. Hawk Sparrow <clears throat> writes us on Google+. AD&D was the game I fell into when I was uh, 10 many moons ago. So nostalgia always keeps first D, second E close to my heart. The simple role play heavy aspects of that game made it easy to pick up and just have fun. 3.5 slash 4E got way too complex and... Uh, ironically enough, the switching to ascending armor class and such scared me away from those additions. 5e was touted as a throwback version, and it came at a time when technology finally allowed me to play online on virtual tabletops. So I wanted to become an expert on a version, the way Wizards reached out to us in the creation of the new edition, and probably just the community excitement over the new edition made me a fan. I guess I'm a sucker for good branding and quality products. So although I'm not uh, at all against trying different games, D&D will most likely always be my favorite game. Hawk, I think I'm with you, man. It's uh, <clears throat> Sean, I've had the lunchtime conversation where, like, you know, you're trapped on a desert island. What game do you bring with you? My immediate answer is Dungeons and Dragons every time. What edition, Brett? Um, I'm thinking probably uh, first E. I think if I was stuck somewhere, I would go at first edition. A, D, and D? Absolutely. That's quite a profound statement. Yeah, it is. Next one's yours. Angela. She emails uh, regarding episode 68. Huh, that's not right, because we're recording episode 68. She's in reference to, oh, it is in reference to 68, because she's talking <laughs> about, oh, I don't know, 67. Angela Murray writes, <laughs> Hey, guys, sorry I wasn't able to put my job on the line to listen to the live show for this one. Silly boss is not understanding the importance of listening to live podcasts when they want to have meetings. So... Absolute horseshit, Angela. I am totally with you. Total crap. So, speaking of the episode, I had to listen to the old-fashioned way. I've often pondered the fact that fantasy and D&D in particular is the default game of the hobby. 
So this is the last one, episode 67, where we talked about why we like D&D. She, yep. con- she continues, is it because of something to do with fantasy itself and how it resonates with us? Or is it the genius behind some of the core concepts that are in all iterations of D&D and subsequently in so many other games? Or just the business and marketing skill and luck that put D&D poised to win again and again in the marketplace? Uh, I would have to say that it's probably a combination of all of them. Yep. I would agree. Probably a combination of all three. She's <laughs> <laughs> answering the question. And I, I swear I didn't read that next sentence before I actually said that statement. Probably a combination of all three. So we all agree. TSR was luckier than they were skilled, but they really did have lightning in a bottle. And if fantasy wasn't so resonant to the audience, there wouldn't have been so many games designers in the last 40 plus years trying to reinvent the wheel with their own fantasy games. I find that when someone wants to run a traditional fantasy game, I really want, just want them to run D and appreciate what dungeon world tries to do. And I love the apocalypse world engine and other games, uh, monster of the week for the win. But every time I've played dungeon world, I really just want it to be D and D with a good GM. This is true for most fantasy systems. It's rare. Uh, well, it's rare that one engages me enough to make me want to run it instead of D and D. I do find that I'm picking about my D and let me rephrase that. I do find that I'm picky about my D and D games, though. At conventions, I generally avoid anything too close to D and D or traditional fantasy. For one, there are a lot of people who play and run those games that don't really gel with my taste for games and I can get a good game almost anytime I want with my home crew. Anyway, good show. Angela Murray. Thank you, Angela. I think, um, what she, what she says there is when someone says, I want to run a traditional fantasy game. I want to be D and D when I've tried to run, uh, GURPS fantasy, the group, uh, and myself, we've looked at it and said, why don't we just run D and D? We're basically D and D and GURPS. Why are we? Why are we just using the? Why don't we just play D and D? We all know how that game works. Let's just do that. Hey, let's try this other version. Why don't we just play D and D? Because that's basically what we're doing. <laughs> it's kind of it's a weird thing, and this is goes to what we tried to touch on last time. Is you know, is there a uh, mechanic or system out there that does something better? Quite possibly, but uh, it's it's definitely a driver for me. If I'm going to play fantasy, I'm like, well, let's just play D&D. Yeah, and I, I'm at that kind of point, too, even though I think I might run a Dungeon Crawl Classics game for like a couple one-shots for a buddy of mine that doesn't get to game very often. But I think with, you know, I don't know, with TSR getting lucky and lightning and all that stuff, I think, you know, I think I might tread on some sacred ground by stating this, but let's face it. If you're first to the market, even though some would argue that they weren't the first, they were one of the first. So if you're one of the first in getting into the market and you do it decent and it's new, you can you can pick up some pretty good speed and solidify yourself in the industry. Whether you can maintain that is a whole nother story. And I think with TSR's implosion, uh, we've, I can. I think it's only you can see it's proven that it didn't work, right? Yeah, you can only get, um, I guess, force of personality and uh, the mass you have built up only carries so far, right? I mean, it's what? True. What if D and D was launched, you know, a year ago? 
legit. I mean, and and well, let's try to take a time machine back. Let me rephrase that. It wasn't launched a year ago. Well, yes, it was launched a year ago, but nothing else had been launched before like D&D. And you took everything that you know about in hindsight and and made it what it would end up being. What would it even look like in the future? It's still wonky because, I mean, if you were to say there's no tabletop RPGs right now, then the, my immediate follow-up is, okay, before I answer the question of what it would look like today, I have to I ask you, are all of the PC RPGs out there, are all of those games still existing? If none of those exist, I don't know, because I think then the role-playing standard with the internet and the different online games and collaborative storytelling, I think, I mean, D&D didn't um, make all of those things happen per se, but it was definitely a catalyst that helped those things, in my opinion. And um, if it wasn't in the formative years of that type of entertainment and it was formed out of formative years. That, that could be a, could be a totally different looking thing. I don't know. I, I just, I read some about the, about the history of D and D and TSR and it is mind boggling to me at times. What some of the things that went through some of those people's heads, like, Hey, let's buy a railroad from Lake Geneva to Chicago. So we can just get on it and play games all the time. Like really, I mean, how you know? It didn't goes. They own, like, a, didn't they own a piece of an Isle uh, Isle of Man or something like that? Some crazy weird thing they owned or whatever. You know, I got. I will give. I don't know. I don't know how much of it's apocryphal and how much of it is real anymore. Well, I want to give. I want to give credit enough to to the folks that deserve the credit. I think Gary deserves credit for coming up with that. I think you know Arneson and you know Dave Arneson, fine. But I think oh, there's more. Guess. There's a lot of people that were involved in D D after the fact. I mean. They may have started it, but you can't climb the mountain without a team. And I, I oh, firmly believe that, right? So I think Gask, there's... Ward, Moldovay, right. Holmes, Mensner. I mean, the list continues. So the creative side, great. Business side, I think it goes... I mean, I think it goes to some things that are weird with our hobby, man. I think it's like, dude, I'm going to open a game store because all I want to do is play games. But, like... It's not a really good business. Hello, model McFly. Sure. Yeah, it's not a good uh, business model. Really. You gotta, you know, hey, screw eating and paying your bills <laughs> or anything. But, anyways, I don't want to get into that diatribe. But I, I it touches on a little bit of the D and D and and why it's been be it's big and everybody plays it and it's the juggernaut and TSR and the success of D and D. But at the same time, there is this kind of weird wonkiness that maybe some of us weren't weren't able to actually witnessed firsthand, you know, back in 1985. I don't know when shit started hitting the fan, but all right. Mark, Mark Dawson wrote us literally like less than an hour ago. Mark under the wire Dawson. Right. What? A, all right. Hey BS. Hope this reaches you in time for tonight's recording. Just wanted to throw in my thoughts on last week's episode. I like both of you and countless others also started a role-playing hobby with D and D. My older brother received the red box one year for Xmas which was my intro into RPGs. Some years later, I bought the second uh, AD&D second edition books and played with a group of friends through junior high and high school. <clears throat> Excuse me. We occasionally tried some other games, Rifts, TMNT, Marvel superheroes, Palladium Fantasy, etc. But none of them ever lasted like our D&D campaigns. Whether or not D&D was the first RPG, it was definitely the first to become widely successful, a la what Sean was talking about. Uh, because of D&D's mainstream popularity, it's been the gateway for most people's entry into the RPG hobby, and for this reason, most of us maintain a fondness for it. However, just because most of us started with D&D doesn't mean it's the easiest game to learn. 
because D&D evolved from a tabletop war game, most of the rules are overly complex and sometimes convoluted. I would argue definitely so in some of the earlier editions. Um, that's a little aside from Brett there. Um, back to Mr. Dawson. My current gaming group consists of people in their 30s to 40s with no prior experience playing RPGs. We've been playing AD&D 1st Edition for about a month for the past three years. Most of them still have trouble telling a D8 from a D10 or a D12 from a D20. Beyond that, they have no clue which die, uh, dice to roll uh, when and where anything on the character sheet is, let alone armor class and how Thacko works. <laughs> They're probably easier games to learn for, uh, for people just getting into the hobby, and rule systems are more fitting um, for an RPG that is something that evolved out of a tabletop war game, but D&D remains at the top because it was the first to achieve success. Anywho, hope you had a great holiday season, uh, and best of luck in the new year going forward. Well, thank you, Mr. Dawson. Yeah, thanks, Mark, for writing in. Uh, so, Brad, I just going off of Mark's email here, if you were to teach, and I think we may have even asked this question before, and I probably know your answer. If you had to teach somebody a role-playing game starting tomorrow, you were, you you and I are at work. Okay. And somebody's like, what are you guys doing? We're talking to nerd stuff. Nerd them. We got the dice in front of us, and they go, oh, that sounds cool. Can I Can I play? And, and you say, what game I, am I going to grab? They've never learned any role playing game, never heard of Dungeons and Dragons, and are really interested in learning to play because we're super cool. They okay, be, first off, your premise is false there, the last statement. They want to be part of the geek, the cool kid group at work. Oh, wow. What, what game do you whip out? D&D. What? AD&D? Yeah, I play, I pull Osric out. Dude, you're on freaking crack. I taught my kids this, dude. I taught I taught AJ, and he's like nine now. I taught him four years ago. My daughter, who is in second grade, she learned in first grade. She can do it. Well, she's super genius, though. You would use Dungeon World, I know. I think that I, there would be a hint of me that would go Dungeon World for some reason. Maybe, maybe even DCC, but I doubt it. DCC maybe because it's really easy when you get a, a zero level character or even a level one character, especially if you get it off of. Uh, How's uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics easier? How is it easier? Yeah. Um, Critical hit charts, funky dice, escalation of dice, de-escalation of dice. I want to be a spellcast. Oh, there's spell burn, but there's not at this rate. How's that easier? That is true. Maybe it's not. So I think it's easier because one, it's got. Ascending armor class. I think it's easier due to familiarity of the game master. If I'm going to teach you a game, I'm going to teach you the game I know better than any other game. But it's got to make a kick. Oh, it will. It will because I know how to teach it. You will have a kick ass time playing it. I know what bits to um, the crunchy bits that I can hand wave for the time being to get you into the game and so on. When they say, hey, look, we're going to add another level of complexity. You like this? There's some more stuff to it. I can do that easily with D&D on the fly. Another game system I do not know as well, I have a harder time doing that with. So that's uh, my reason. All right, man. That's fair. That's I, right. That's what it is. Shit. I would even go as far to say basic or even one of the OSR games. It's like D&D, right? So first edition, but with like ascending armor class and like a really rudimentary Character sheet. Like, if you look at an AD&D character sheet, you're like, fucking, you got saving throws that make no Osric, sense. Osric character sheet is super simple. And all you have to do is um, across the bottom of the sheet where it says, like, negative 10 to positive 10, write it in for them. Here, 
Roll these numbers. He's a zero armor class. Look on this chart. It's I, super easy. I challenge Brett to teach me how to play AD and D. I I don't. I'm not. That's the lost cause. I'm not doing that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, all right. I don't have that kind of time. All right, freaking motor scooter. Let's get into the main topic, shall we? Let's do it. All right, so this week we are talking about ending the campaign. I yes. think this is a, I think this is a small passive aggressive move on Brett, but I, I will. Whoa, I, whoa, I, wait, I, uh, I wait! Will. This is overly aggressive. I'm going to get right in your grill. Yeah, I suppose it is overly <laughs> aggressive. That is the wrong word choice on my part. No, actually, this was. Um, I looked at end of the year. This is going to be basically the last recording for 2015, if I recall correctly. There's no more weekends this, uh, no more Sundays this year. Um, we did. Sean did wrap up. I wouldn't say wrap up. Just ended in a, such a way that caused me hurt. Um, a D and D game. I've ended games where we're like, yeah, um, wrap this up. Let's just go. Let's. Uh, it's no good. Let's move on to something else. The group has said, hey, I want to play something different. I've done that, and. <clears throat> excuse me i kind of wanted to talk to that because every time there's multiple ways to, to end a campaign right and some of them leave just this horrible taste in people's mouths or memories and so on kind of like what sean did to me and um i just want to chat through it and see if there's a lot it probably spoiler will come down to communicate 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 but uh, i figured we'd uh, investigate a little bit and see what we can come up come up with so so, Sean, in yeah. my time with you as a game master, we have had three campaigns. Have we really? Yeah. You had no. lost minds of Fandelver. Oh, yeah. That you was shit can that. Yeah. And then started a different kind of a Kingmaker D&D thing. Hey, you came shit in the, you came that, in and the middle. Star Wars. You came in the middle on Lost Mine of Fandelver. The first one. You came, in the, you came in the middle on the last Mine of Fandelver. I know I did. And I think so. One of the reasons why Lost Minds of Fandelver, I think, did get shit canned was because I think half to three quarters of the original team wasn't able to make any more players. The players just bailed. They weren't going to game. They couldn't make it. Inconsistent. So we started supplementing. Uh, uh, Austin comes in. I come in. And we're like, you know what? Um, <laughs> half the team is new guys now. Half the new guys from a player's perspective, even characters, don't necessarily know what's going on. Screw it. Let's just restart. Let's play fantasy restart. <clears throat> so that made sense to me. Sometimes you get a uh, an event where the team kind of looks around and says, wow, um, everyone's new <laughs> or most of us are new. Why don't we just start over so we can, you know, create a party together. Great. And then we were cooking along for a little bit and then up came and then up came um, Star Wars we wanted to talk about going to, well, the Star Wars movie was coming up pretty quick. And I know Steve, one of our gamers, and you and a couple other folks, uh, Jim was big on this too, um, doing the whole uh, uh, Edge of the Empire thing. So I think you were a little on the board side, perhaps. I don't know. Why'd you, why'd you kill that, man? That was Which, one? <laughs> Which one? Which one did it? Mine's a Fandelver, I get, but why'd you kill the other one? Just you just had to play Star Wars. Um, I, yeah, kind of. I don't know why my camera switched. Um, That's right. That is really weird. I, I wonder. Look, now I can look down on you in my rage. I wonder, this is good. I'm like I'm yelling at you. Just. Urgh. 
stupid, stupid technology. Um, you know, I think that, I don't know. I got bored pretty damn, I don't know if it was boredom. I don't know what it was. First of all, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars was coming out. The system intrigues me and I don't, I don't know. I don't think anything was, I don't think it was going the way I really wanted it to. And that's not due to the, the players necessarily. I would also posit that I was running a D&D 5e game. I know Kevin has run Pathfinder. Austin was doing some 13th Age or some fantasy stuff. And I know you were also playing in a 5e game. And I think sometimes if we're fortunate enough, I mean, you know, first ga- first world gamer problems, right? Where you've got, I'm in too many campaigns and they're all too similar. <laughs> sometimes um, from the game, from the gamer, you know, uh, easily distracted perspective, playing D&D, two, three different campaigns in a row, I could see wanting to cleanse the palate perhaps and go from a different one. So I think that also played a little bit. And like, look, you know, there's at least three or four of us had other games going and they all happen to be D&D or some variation on that. Do you think that played into it as well? Yeah, probably. I mean, I am... You don't have a good answer, do you? I don't have a good answer. I mean, I think the fact of the matter is might have just came down to I, I didn't have my heart into I didn't have my heart in it, man. It just wasn't <clears throat> so, there, dude. No, I could No, that's perfect. I yeah. did that myself. So I dig that because I was running um Ron Edwards, one of the first indie games he ever produced with Sorcerer. I bought it at Gen Con <clears throat> from Ron. I got my copy signed, it's really cool, it's on my shelf. And I was running it for the guys. I talked it up. We looked at it. This could be fun. This is really cool. We're going to get into this. We played three sessions and I looked at the group and I said, time out, just complete out of character. What do you, what do we think? And everyone was trying to be very polite, but I told them like, look, just tell me like, you know, we're not having fun. We don't like this. We'd rather do this other thing. Okay, great. We'll go do this other thing. Um, I ran a vampire game a couple times where I would start up a small or a new storyline with my group over, the 20 plus years I played it practically. And we would come up and say, Hey, we're cooking along. Ah, I don't like this character. Okay. We revamped the character. Well, next thing you know, five out of the eight guys and gals have all reworked their characters. Okay. Let's, let's start over. Let's start over. Let's scrap this. Let's do something different. So I think that there is, it's a good, I would rather have the game master and or player step up and say, my heart isn't in this. Um, for whatever reason, I really want to do this other thing. Are you guys on board? Um, and then give that a go other than forcing Sean to run D and D five E for us just because, you know, two of us want to, or whatever. I mean, then if you're not, heart's not in as a game master, we're not going to get good game mastering out of you. I mean, just from selfish perspective, (laughs) it's just not going to go well. Yeah. And it was going to be every week that I'd want to show up and play. I, I'd be like, uh, yeah. Oh, I got to run this game. Yeah. I, don't do. I don't even have anything planned. Uh... So that's a pretty simple one. That's kind of either GM burnout, heart's not in it. Players burnout, players heart's not in it. Have you, and I think we touched on it with the Lost Minds of Fendelver. I would classify that as kind of like the game fell apart due to wow. players leaving. So that, that one was, it is, you're right. It, it was a debacle because we started out with, let's see, I think um, one, two people. Jim, I think it was, oh, and I think Brian was involved too. 
So, I mean, I had like a turnover, half my group turned over. It was, yeah, it was half to three quarters, dude. So three <laughs> to three to six people, um, gone. And two of them, two of them were a couple. So that's kind of goes with the territory. If one, for whatever reason, they just both dropped off the face of the earth. Um, and then, but it gives me the opportunity to bring other people in that want to play. And, and at that point it was like, it was kind of dragging and trying to keep things cohesive with people that had been falling off. And then I think we hit a patch of like conventions and then it was, so the, to go into a little bit of detail, when I started that game, it was purposely set on a Friday night so that I could accommodate everybody that was involved at the time. And two of those people were key players and they were a couple. So once they're gone and they don't show up, there's no reason to keep running it on a Friday. Well, when I'd hit it on a Friday, then it would inconvenience those that were going to like a con on a weekend or they were going out of town for the weekend. So it was like, well, why am I have to sporadically hit these if we can just move it to another night that's going to be more consistent during the week? So Tuesday or Wednesday when it's so really- yeah, major player turnover. You're going to change the date. You want to get more consistent attendance, more consistent everything. Start over, right? Exactly. <laughs> Seems right. to make sense. Yeah. Yes. Seems to make sense. Yes. So that's the justification for that one, for sure. <laughs> and I'm sticking to it. That's my story. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I think those types of things, those are pretty easy. Um, not well, I shouldn't say initially easy, but that's a communication piece, right? Your heart's not in it, something's changing. It's totally it's totally legit to look at the the setup and say this setup isn't working, we're gonna move it. I get that. Um, so the other component of it is kind of the how. That's the that's the why and when type of thing. Sometimes it's as simple as look, it's all completely out of character. There's no game discussion, like you said for Lost Minds. We said, fuck it, we're not gonna do that anymore. We're moving the date. We're going to change new characters. We're going to do this other thing. Everyone starts showing up on Wednesdays, every other Wednesday. Great. We make new characters. Off we go. Um, same thing. Then when we change from uh, D&D to Star Wars, we said, hey, you know what? We're just going to do it. We'll shelve that. Don't worry about it. <coughs> excuse me. Um, but we're going to go into Star Wars. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Damn. One of the things I've been I've uh, kind of looking back on this topic through my history of game mastering and playing is that sometimes as the campaign itself starts to wrap up, right? You get to a certain part of the storyline or, Hey, the big, bad, the big fights coming, this thing's going to happen. They're either going to, you know, um, you know, banish Cthulhu or the great old one will rise and eat the earth, or they're going to stop the Lich King or they won't, or, you know, it's built up to some big thing or they're going to save the princess or they don't, or they, you know, find the lost starship or they don't. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. When that happens, Sean, I'm curious as to how you have dealt with um, the the big end. Do you tend to, and perhaps a better way to say this, when you're designing or you're working towards how it's going to wrap up, you can feel it coming to a head, do you tend to go for one type of ending over another? Do you go for like a big, badass motherfucking fight with a huge denouement, or do you just say, you know what, it, it ends however it ends? What do, you, do you have a preference, or what do you think, or what do you like anyway? Um, it, it depends, but I like to have it go out on a high note, whatever that means. Well, if that is, if the intention is to completely end the game, if it is not to end the game in the campaign end the game, and it's, we're never going to touch it again. The characters are never going to play again. It's the, the band is breaking up as we know it. Then then I say it's got to go out on a high note. If it doesn't, you can always leave it as a cliffhanger. You can always leave it as a, 
Uh, who knows what's going to happen, and we can always revisit it down the road, what have you. So I think there's two approaches. I like to go out and and see where, I, like even with Star Wars and the the game that I'm running now, I'm running a pre-canned adventure, and once it's done, it's done. But we'll see if it, if we want to continue to play. If we the wanna, characters, right, and the players, okay, and if we continue. And I've got enough juice, then great, I'll keep on trucking and, and we'll keep going. And if not, then it's done. That's an important piece, though, is that I guess um, <clears throat> it's not a one shot because it's being held over months or weeks. <coughs> Damn it. Excuse me. Um, spent too much time in the woods today. Hacking. Be, should be drinking tea, man, and not some of that freaking highball shit. Oh, scotch. It'll take. Oh, cure me. I, I can tell. Cold medicine? You mean scotch? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Where am I going? So it's what you're doing isn't a one shot. What you're doing though is um chapter type of thing where you're gonna wrap up a piece and perhaps that group can can live on. And that's a good that's a good piece, right? Is that if you're going to end the campaign and there's no intention of keeping those characters alive past this story, like, oh, that was good. Dust the hands off. Great, we're gonna make new characters and we'll talk about them in gamer war story time, you know, we're having a beer or something, but we're not going to bring out sir whomever and lady whatever and go slay another dragon because we already killed the dragon king we're done we saved the world how many more times can we save the fucking world um so i had a tendency back in the day where i never did that where when i ran my old vampire games and stuff everything even when a story would end people like the characters and i like playing with them so much we would say okay but we get to come back to these characters right we're not going to we're not going to never see them again. I mean, that was a question I would be asked. So we'd be like, okay, um, yes, of course, we'll come back to it. And I'm thinking, okay, that's just the DM put off. Like, yes, of course, we'll come back to these characters. And Brett's thinking, whatever, whenever, blah. We'll, we'll get involved in something else and it won't. But perhaps um, as, as a credit to how much fun we were having, we'd run a slightly different story. Once that one ended, it was like, that's great. But you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to go back. And see what Maddox and McTavish are doing again. Can we bring those vampires back? Can we bring back this group of people and have another story for them? And like, sure, why not? So I ended up with this storyline, this arc that happened for like almost 16 years with essentially the same characters. Uh, they're going through different changes and whatnot. Um, and that's okay. But when it doesn't end, it really has an odd uh, drag on me as a game master. And yeah. I think even on the players. It's kind of that um, uh, it's not that nothing changed, right? There, but there were certain things that that didn't. There were certain constants that after a while you're like, yes, yes, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Ooh, they're always going to be, no one ever dies, you know, type of thing. So <laughs> I, I've found that I really like to drive for an end more now. Like, look, this is done. Boom. Um, can we come back to those characters? Maybe is now my answer. I don't want to, as a game master, continue to dredge through those characters and keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I've done it a couple times since then, but it's not my go-to anymore. I don't like it because I feel that if it doesn't have an actual ending, the story product that we create as a team has less meaning or feels less meaningful. Yeah, I uh, I, I was part of a long-term campaign over the years as a player, and I just, I, I'm like, dude, I don't know where this is going. I don't know if it's ever going to end. And as far as I know, those guys are still playing the same 
game. And I don't know if it's the same characters, if they started over. I think they might have like fast forwarded the timeline a little bit and maybe started over with different player or different characters, which is something I would totally understand and get and I could adapt to. But I don't know if I'd ever want to play as a player, especially in a homebrew, you don't know anything about the world. There's no book or anything. And maybe that's me being just kind of, because I don't like the, 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 the tomes of where everything is at and how everything works and the whole campaign setting thing is, I mean, I like reading it as a GM, but there was a homebrew and I'm just like, I, I don't know where this is all going. Like I'd get a, I'd get these letters and I'd get these archives that my character would discover about these ancient secrets that are coming about and coming to fruition. And then months would go by and nothing would tie into any of that stuff. And I don't know when it would. And I don't know if I'm supposed to be following it or not. <laughs> Excuse me, that could be like bad game master plotting, you know, it could be just a bad connection or it was absolute red herring that you dodged or right following a red herring for the last five years. God damn it. Right. Exactly. And so, I mean, I eventually, uh, that was the campaign I've mentioned on the show about, you know, Hey, I want my yeah. die, guy to die. Just go ahead and kill him. So I don't know um, <laughs> if I could do the three year. It depends on how long the three years, like if you do a once a month for three years, that to me is only 36 sessions. That's not a, that's not a big deal. Right. But if you do like once a week for three to five years, that's, that's a lot. It is a lot. Sessions and where it goes. And I guess it depends on how much it holds my attention. Like, is there a good amount of intrigue there? Is there a good storyline going on. Is there a good plot line, some big bads? And so when I wanted to do star Wars, I'm like, I want to run it. So these guys are excited about it every damn time we play. Well, the cool part then is that if you do it in, if you break it into chunks, like what you're talking about for star Wars, you can have an ending. You right. say this story is done. That was great. You know what? I'd like to swap out this guy and play Greedo. I'd like to swap this guy out and I want to be a Jawa this time, or I want to do something different. Um, I want to be a Jawa, but he wouldn't let me by the way. Um, anyhow, there isn't any Java, Java, Java. There's no Java classes. <laughs> nice. Only in programming. So <laughs> nice. Um, so that's cool. For not forcing, but having an ending or at least end points within it lets you know. So another thing, is you don't end up with the Dragonlance novel problem where there's just one more fucking Dragonlance novel being created for no apparent reason. Um. Well. You know, if you're going to get on Dragonlance, though, the first three, trilo- the first trilogy is pretty decent. I, well, back in the day. I don't know if it ages. There you go. Thank I don't you. know if it ages well. It, it, it doesn't age well to but me. But at the time, it was pretty decent. I mean, it was like the deal. What I'm coming to is the constant rehashing of the same characters over and over. More stories about the same person. More stories about the same person. At a certain point, you can only read so many Conan stories. It's the same goddamn Conan story. You know, it just... It, goes on holy so, cow conan Fran, conan fans you can write brett i'll give you his personal <laughs> email address in our show nice. notes i am a conan fan thank you very nice oh well anyhow so the types of endings though you say you like to end on a high note when appropriate i think it so would be you good. don't play a lot of horror games do you not much or at all you know what if it depends right so if i were running call of cthulhu or horror and everybody got eaten at the end yay so now take it from the, <clears throat> that's a, you fucked up, you failed, too bad the world ended. <clears throat> now, do you ever do the anti-climax, right? Where you do something and I nobody do, cares. I do that every week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, ask, just ask my wife. Nice. Ew. 
So as a game master, though, when you wrap something up, do you ever purposely go for an anticlimactic ending or kind of a low key, if you will, perhaps? Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Yes. Sometimes uh, purposefully and sometimes not. So the, the Star Wars game that I ran for multiple years, uh, unfortunately, due to the politics between game company and a, a particular production company, they couldn't get their storylines out properly. So literally the campaign just kind of like, you know, where it ended up is where it ended up. And we never finished, finished because of the timing behind. So that when I ran living force, uh, episodes one, two, and three were coming out or episode three was ending. Anyways, the trilogy, the first prequels of star Wars were coming out. So they were trying to align the living force campaign with the launch of those trilogies. And if something in that the movie set of movies would impact the, the, the world, they, they needed to run everything by Lucas and Lucas couldn't give them info. So they couldn't write any adventures in the last, and they wanted to wrap up the, they wanted to wrap up the entire campaign, the whole living force campaign. They wanted to wrap it up and they wanted to tie it into where the movie would begin and go. And they couldn't do that. They couldn't get the last three, series because they'd always re, they'd always launch living force in a series of three adventures and so they you could play all three um you could play all three and then it would be done but with this so when we got to the end there was no more adventures and we had to wait and months <laughs> went by and then they never came out and they eventually nice. did after we were like well i'll start playing something else and then got it. yeah players left Sorry about long being long winded and explaining that, but so going back know. going back to what you were saying, it it really ended on like a whatever where we left off. The thing is, we don't remember how the campaign left off. We remember all the stories in between, beginning and end. You got good game or war stories, but how it ended, don't know. Correct. Or don't recall. Right. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> from my perspective as game master, one of the things that I like to do within the story, whenever I can. And I think there's times when I'm more successful than others. And sometimes the game itself, like Call of Cthulhu, um, lets you know up front, like, look, y'all screw this up. And uh, Shubnegarath comes out and destroys everything. Everyone's dead. Or, hey, guess what? Azathoth shows up and everything's dead. That's just how it goes. Um, if you don't do this, it's set up so that Vecna, you know, takes over and that's just all there's to it. Brett, you're so harsh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a dick. Holy um, cow. What I'm saying, though, is that if possible, I find that sometimes it's not always fun to tell people, hey, guess what? Uh, this Don't worry, guys. This game will end on a happy note. <laughs> it's this weird type of foreshadowing. Um, but you, what you want to do is you want players, I believe, anyway. So even if you're like, look, there's really, as a Game Master perspective, it's, it's quasi-railroady. It's a little bit Sean Train-ish. But if you don't want to <clears throat> force... Did you say Sean Train? The Sean Train. There it is. Here it comes. The Sean train. Everybody aboard. If your intent is not to have an anticlimax, if your intent is to make sure the players have what they need, um, but you're, you're a dice fall where they may or something happens, whatever, and the bad guy wins, I believe that in order to make the, uh, the game and the story artifacts that you create after the fact be really cool <coughs> is people need to believe as players that it could go either way. 
right? At, at that moment, at the table, when the dice are flying, the chips are going, whatever's happening, you shouldn't say, well, you know what? Brett tends to run anticlimaxes. No, no, this is Sean's game. Sean likes to have a big, happy ending. So don't worry, guys. We're going to be okay. You want to have enough um, foreshadowing of, you know, the potential bad and actually have some real bad stuff happen so that people know or at least think, holy shit, maybe Sean's not kidding this time. The world might actually end. Um, and I think if you don't, if everything's been cakewalk, 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 and then wham, you drop it on them at the very end of the storyline, like, well, here, here we are. Boom. I'm sorry. It's Tiamat. You're all dead. Fuck. I did what? Whoa. Um, there's ways to have a loss and an anticlimactic ending that are very unsatisfying for the players and even for the game master, because, you know, if the players are unsatisfied, generally speaking, the game master doesn't feel too good about it either. At least in my opinion, that's how it should be. Um, but if you, um, prompt it, push it a little bit, tell people, Hey, you know, look, it's, it's a real threat. This could happen. Um, no, I, you guess what? This, this good guy died. Oh my God. This NPC who we knew and loved died. Yes. They died trying to fight the thing or whatever, or whatever we're talking about. I think if you have to, to make the ending something that actually has meaning, and not just another chapter like, okay, cool, that's done. Let's let's tell the next story about these characters. If you want it to have meaning, you have to have that ending feel like it could be it. It could be the honest to God real ending. And that's where certain shows, TV shows or movies or any franchise, they lose me as a fan at a certain point when I feel that it doesn't matter, it'll always work out. Right? If I feel like it doesn't matter, it'll always work out. I'm okay. I'm like, whatever, then I don't need to see this. I can write this ending myself. And I don't want that feeling for my players. When I end the campaign, I want them to, if they come to me saying, wow, that was really cool. I'd like to play these characters again. That's great. Or to say, boy, that was really skin of our teeth, you know, touch and go. I really wasn't sure how that was going to fall. Oh God, it turned out to be kind of anticlimactic, but wow, the ride getting there was great. If you have a letdown, anti-climax type ending or even a huge fight in a big oh my god we're lords of the world now um it has to be a challenging component i think is where i'm going and it doesn't it's i'm not it's not just fights right sometimes it's political machinations and other things too it's not just the the ending doesn't have to just be a big fight and i guess that's kind of what i'm saying too often here is that it, it seems like i'm using fight language when that's not necessarily the case fight language exactly yeah, it doesn't have to end in a huge climax. Huh, or does it? Hey, <clears throat> the drummer over there is falling asleep. Slow, very slow. Slow. Hey, get on your game, Bojo. So, with the groups you play with, though, do they do you have um, so you tend to like to end things on a high note when, when possible, but is that your go to, though? Really? I mean, that's that sounds like that's what you like to do. Uh, well, I think it, I think there has been plenty of, I think um, the American way won't speak for the rest of the world, but the American way is always on the high note, always good, great. However, that Disney movie ending, right? However, everything's fine now. However, there is plenty of, um, good movies that do not end on a high note Empire, Empire Strikes Back. And I think that even, um, yeah, I don't think they have to necessarily end on the high note. But you have to be prepared for it, though, right? Yes. You have to be prepared for it. And I think you want to make it like 
if it's not a high note, then it's still kind of cool regardless. So I think what I'd like to do here is I believe that the two pieces we just talked about, like, hey, why did you quit? I don't like the game anymore. I'm bored with it. We just had to change this up. We had to twist this around. Hey, maybe the players freaking oust you as a GM. Maybe we haven't even, hey, we haven't even looked at the player side no, we of this thing, yet. right? What, maybe the players say, hey, GM, <laughs> you freaking suck. And we don't want to play in your game anymore. Or, hey, we don't want to play this because we got the new shiny. Hey, how come, what about, how come it's always about the GM, Brett? Because. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think about. I didn't think about it. How about that? I'm tired. Because, because, what the hell was it going? So, what I was trying to get to though is that I think if instead of doing, because we alluded to this at the beginning, Sean, right, with your with the D and D five E thing we're running, your heart wasn't in it. I believe the worst thing we could have done is say, no, we really want to push it and say, Sean, we really want to do this. You're like, okay, fine, I'll run this game. Um, you're going to end up forcing an ending. You're going to wrap things up quickly. It's going to be an unsatisfying ending, I think, for everyone involved because you're just going to want to kind of crash the schedule uh, to use uh, project manager language. You're going to want to crash schedules, crush things down, use up all the slack here and there, and just kind of get it over with so you can move on to the next thing. And Oh, for- man, I remember <laughs> nights like that when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted nice. to get it over with. But I mean, there's, I've been that game master, like, okay, fine. The guys want to play D and D one more time. I really wanted to do something else. So, okay. Um, blah, blah. You kind of crush, 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 crush. There you got the end. The campaign's over. I did that in my um, murder city game. Not that long ago. It was uh, last year or the year before I didn't end as well as it should have because I compressed the time schedule. I uh, made some mistakes. I'm like, well, I'll just speed things up because I wanted to get it over with. And I looked at a number of mistakes. I'm like, I could do this better. Instead of just saying, hey, guys, look, time out. Mistakes were made. Can I please start this over? Can we please take a reset? No, I just kind of crushed, smashed, done. And left with a very, the ending itself was okay. Had it actually happened in the timeline it should have happened in, it would have been a hell of a lot more satisfying. So I think the, to me, the lesson I've I've pulled out of this, that was just, it's just a rookie mistake. But if you as a game master, as you as a player or a, you as the player don't want to do it anymore. You need to say something. I know we've, we've talked about the communication aspect of it before, but this is one of those cases where it can lead to some really shitty feelings between players and game masters where somebody is <clears throat> belligerent at the table. Um, the game master doesn't have his heart into it. So the, it's just, you know, two fights and one role-playing experience every night until you get to the big fight at the end, then it's all done. <laughs> it becomes formulaic or dull. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is that if, if you like, look, I really have this cool thing and this is, I like to have a big happy ending thing and we want to get this all done. That's great. We can talk about different ways to do that. But if you force yourself to head towards an ending to make other people happy, either as a player, or as a game master, it's a really bad idea. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. The last, I mean, the, even the D and D game, the, the Kingmaker game that I just, Said, hey, we're gonna stop this and go on to the next game. That that's not done. Done. I can go back to that campaign, and I'll, if I do, it'll be fresher, and I'll take a certain approach with it that I wasn't doing originally. So I think that that I would not call that as an end of the campaign, or it's the end of the game for the time being. But um, I don't. I don't know. I i don't i could see why people would want to rush things through and just kind of eh, it's all wrapped up it's done it's finished whatever and call it a day i don't know 
Everybody, everybody's looking for the big, long, huge, awesome saga. Like the big, the, every movie they've ever watched that is super awesome in a game. It just doesn't happen like that, people. <laughs> it doesn't happen. All right. There's reality. Okay. People, <laughs> you know, th- I don't know. They just, <laughs> I don't. You know what? You know what we need to do? Quit, I think we we just, quit freaking looking for perfection. I know. I think we need to end this topic. I'm done. I got nothing left, dude. I have cash. Well, hey, we're out of gas. We're out of, we're out of gas. So here's the gonna, lesson. The lesson is, is if you want to end the campaign for whatever reason, what is your way of ending the campaign? What are some creative ways you've ended a campaign, whether it be on a high note, a low note? Is And then what were the reasons originally and how did you kind of adapt to that? Was it the players that weren't interested? Was it you? And and let us know. Write us at uh, gaming and mis- misdirected mark at, at gamingandbs dot com. I should get, get an, that email. We gotta I get should that get email. that. I should set that email up. Set that email up. <laughs> I think great. I can do that. Anyways, write write in at gamingnbs at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll read your stuff on the show and 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 gather up some wisdom from you. Because maybe the maybe the problem was is that Brett picked a shitty topic and his heart wasn't in it and Brett, the whole episode went to hell. It's not what are you gonna a do? freaking shitty topic. <laughs> God damn it! I'm just going. I'm sorry. All right, let's get into uh, die roll. My, my non-existent die roll. You better have some over there. Better be. Don't. <laughs> As I will remind my co-host Brett that die roll is an element of the show where we provide two d four. That's two to four. So if you roll a 2d4, you will get a result of two to four miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery we want to share with you. Hey, Brett, I have four or three this week. Three, three. I, I, will, I have. I will go first. You don't even I have think to. You're, you don't I think have you're to, gonna have to. You don't have to tell me how many you have, Brett. Just, you just go first. <laughs> I'm just gonna go first. There you go. And I'll read really slow. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Star Wars numbers. If you haven't seen this damn movie, I'm not. We're not going to spoil it. Don't don't turn off your recording. Just relax. But oh, as I hit my microphone really hard. Sorry about that. Uh, blows records away. One billion globally. The Nerdist.com posted it That's out. It's a lot there. of goddamn money. That is a lot of money. I mean, who? Brad, have you seen it? You haven't seen it, Brett. Brett, are you there? Have you seen it no, yet, Brett? No. You are a freaking communist. <laughs> yeah, I know. But have your has your kids seen it? No. Your kids? What the hell is what? What are you running up there in Richland I'm trying, Center? I'm trying to raise my kids right, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's I again. We'll put Brett's personal email address in the show notes <laughs> so that everybody can give him parenting lessons. Brett doesn't give a shit about Star Wars. There we go. Brett doesn't we have we, to. We've known that. We do know that, which is going to make next week's topic even more interesting. Exactly. Might have to switch that up. Anyways. So, yeah, I've seen it twice already. So you can imagine like. You saw it once for me. There you go. This guy. Number two, virtual phone within Minecraft. So Minecraft lovers may already know this, but Verizon has open sourced the libraries on GitHub, um, which is a source code repository if you're not familiar with GitHub. So if you're in the market for a giant phone in Minecraft, this is your chance to get one. 
Amusingly, you'll also need to build a cell tower beside your gigantic phone. <laughs> it is. There's a picture of this like big phone in Minecraft, and the way the reason it's so big is because you have to have like a block. I guess apparently a block for each little thing to make oh, God. to make up the video of the actual phone. So it's a video phone, and then right next to it's this built-in Minecraft like cell tower next to it in order for it to work, which is hilarious. And I'm not even a Minecraft geek. Uh, Phil, here you go, Phil Vecchione. So that's, that's that one's for you. Amusing, amusingly, you'll need to build a cell tower beside your gigantic phone, but Verizon has pre-made the items required so you can get that up and running in a few clicks. That's awesome. Link in the show notes for people that want to build a phone within Minecraft. Map, talk about meta. Mapbox.com, a cool way to work with Google Maps. You can change the style of your map. You can draw lines and polygrams. You can lay down markers. It's pretty cool. You could save it. Um, it's probably really good if you want to use, obviously, modern-day maps for like a modern-day role-playing game. Uh, but it's an interesting way to interact with Google Maps. It puts different overlays, and um, you can... Make it the map completely dark and the borders all gray, and then you could draw lines around it, put markers on it. Cool, um, but very, very cool. So that's uh, those are the three that I have this week. Uh, Brett, uh, turn. I've only over. got one. Okay. I've only got one. All right, that's fair. Uh, two. It's, it's kind of violates the two D four rule, but that's all right. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know. I'm gonna keep start. We're gonna start keeping score. You said that like eight episodes I know. ago. Well, I don't I don't know why I need to because obviously <laughs> we know who's winning. Yeah, it's you. Um, the player types that uh, Robin Laws uh, had produced a little booklet pamphlet through Steve Jackson Games ages past. Robin's Laws of Good Game Mastering. So there's a player type list that had made its rounds on what is a now defunct website. Well, Robin posted up uh, earlier today that there is a fresh new version of this. I've got the uh, link in the show notes there. But that's out there, so you can take a look at that and see it, what type of player you are. So that is actually still one of my favorite um, books on gaming and game mastery. It's a little bitty pamphlet. It's really cool. If you don't have it or you can get a copy of it, it's really it's fun. Huh? Interesting. I have never read it. <sighs> maybe that's a problem. That may be the problem. That may be a, a <laughs> lot of problems. All right. Between you not reading that and me not giving a shit about Star Wars, we are terrible. Right. I think there is a scale of terribleness. Just <laughs> saying. Hey, so let's say you talk about the sponsor. We get a sponsor of the show. He's been with us for quite some time. Michael Aldhauser at Great Out Productions, maker of fine dice bags. Yeah, they're great stuff. They're um, he's got custom. He's done nothing. Well, I have two of them are non-custom stuff. You just had in the shop. I've gotten two custom bags from him. He does a dual drawstring thing, so you just cinch them up nice and tight. They are I I've called them tough as nails many times. I beat the crap out of mine, and they're still there. I got tons of dice in each bag. They're a lot of fun. And if you use our gaming NBS uh, promo code, you'll get yourself ten percent off that order. And I'm assuming people got. Uh, Gift cards, money, something maybe from Christmas. Get yourself a little dice bag. It's good for you. That's right. Thanks, Michael Allhauser and Great Elf Productions for sponsoring the show. Go over and show him some love so he can show us some love. Otherwise, uh, other than that, patrons, this show has been brought to you by patrons like Joe Swick, Kevin Lovecraft, and a few others. 
If you would like to consider becoming a patron of the show, head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And I think next week we'll talk about Fantasy Flight's Star Wars Edge of the Empire RPG. Are you going to be prepared for that show, Brad? <clears throat> I don't know. We'll see. I'll try. I mean, because do you, do you have a rule book, Brett? I have not been able to get one. Dude, it was just Christmas, man. The kids didn't ha- ha- help you out. I don't, get, I don't get Christmas presents, dude. Oh, now I feel sad. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm 42. I buy my own shit. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, Fantasy Flight Games, Edge Star Wars, Edge of the Empire. It's not going to be a comprehensive review. It's just going to be Brett and I talking about our interactions with it, uh, having probably run it. Uh, it'll be about three or four times. Still getting the hang of it. But uh, I think it's interesting, and Brett will certainly weigh in on, on what he thinks. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all.